First Thessalonians. All right, let's start reading in verse number 16. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your goodness and grace. I pray, God, first of all, for forgiveness of sins. I pray, God, that you'd help me, God, to be uh, uh, thoughtful and mindful of the hour and help me to say what needs to be said. I pray, oh God, that the folks here this morning and the folks listening elsewhere, God, that they would be mindful of the hour. And Lord, take heed to the things that have been said. And I thank you and praise you, God, for all that you do for us this morning. Help us and lead us and guide us, uh, Lord, uh, for this hour that we live. And I thank you and praise you for all you do. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. All right. This is, uh, and also in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 4, which we'll get to in just a minute. But verse number 18 is one of the times in the Bible, one of the few times in the Bible where it expressly tells you what the will of God is. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now everything that the Bible tells you to do is God's will. You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, debate about that too long. Amen. You know, if it says to, uh, you know, to do right, then do, doing right is the will of God. And uh, I don't think there's a specific verse that says the exact words in that exact order, do right. But that's kind of a good summary of pretty much the whole Bible, isn't it? But when God tells you to do a certain thing, to, uh, uh, to give or to preach or whatever the case might be. That's God's will for you. But here in the book of uh, uh, the Thessalonians, it tells you a couple of times specifically, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And, and in, in this case, it's the giving of thanks. Now, it's hard to give thanks if you're not thankful. And so we, you're really dealing with, uh, with a condition of the heart, really. He says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Now this is a good list of things, but I, whenever I read this passage of scripture, I uh, always consider these things to be linked. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Those things are connected. A man that's rejoicing uh, in, uh, in the true sense of the word, a man that's that's glad for what what God has done for him. He's he's thankful because that's going to show up in verse eighteen. That man's not going to have a hard time praying. Uh, the man that's not rejoicing, the man that's not uh, we'll just put it this way for lack of a better phrase, a man that's not happy with God isn't going to be thankful to God. He isn't going to be praying to God. And so he says these things uh, looks like a great big list of things we could, you know, partake in. But it's actually these things are, are more connected than you know. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. And so those things to me have to be very closely uh, connected. A man that's not thankful uh, probably quench the Spirit of God which is in him. You're sealed by the Spirit of God, Ephesians chapter number 1. A man that's not thankful quench the Spirit. Listen, a man go to visitation three or four times a week, knock on doors, tell people about Jesus, not be thankful. Uh, you say, how do you know they can do that? Because Jehovah's Witness do it. Lots of, uh, you know, Baptists are not the only person that does personal work. So, I mean, you, you could get in a program and get behind the program. You know, it might be beneficial for you to have, you know, more people come to church. So you go knock on the door. Amen? Back when I was, uh, back when I was a little boy, uh, Preacher Lackey had people build their own Sunday school classes. You want to teach a Sunday school class? Okay, build it. The, the ideology behind that was, you know, 
me and my wife got out and knocked on doors and got people to come to church and now we're going to teach them. You want to teach somebody, go out and get you somebody. <laughs> Lord have mercy, that would kind of throw a wrench in the modern day Sunday school program, wouldn't it? Well, in that case, it would be advantageous for you to get out and knock on doors, but you could still do that without being thankful. That's right. You could do that with a lot of these things. And so uh, you could easily quench the spirit. You could easily be living a life. But, and I know this from personal experience. You could easily be living a life that quenches the spirit. Yet going through the motions in the other areas of your life. You can be a pastor going through the motions of being a pastor. Because let's face it. If you're a pastor, you better go through the motions whether you feel like it or not. Amen. Uh, because you've got a responsibility to do. You've got a duty to do. Now, a lot of people don't like um, Jack Howes uh, because rumors went around about him and, and all this sort of thing. Maybe he done those things that they said he did. I don't know. I weren't there. Were you? Absolutely not. So, I know growing up, my pastor didn't believe those rumors, and my pastor took up for him. And I wasn't, I certainly wasn't there to see any of his transgressions. But I know this, you got some transgressions. Amen. Amen. And so the man dead, but you know, one of the greatest sermons that I've ever heard in relation to the Christian life was a sermon on duty. And you do have a duty to do. It's better, listen, it's better to serve God because you love Him. It's better to serve God because you're thankful. It's better to serve God because you know what He done for you. You know what He done for you so that you know what He can do for others. That's the best way to serve God. But when, the, when you're not feeling it. You got a duty to do. That's right. That's right. Uh, there might have been times when Paul the apostle didn't feel like getting shipwrecked this week, mm -hmm. or beat this week, or let down the side of a city in a basket this week. Yeah, come on. But his his ideology was, "Woe is unto me if I preach not yeah. the gospel." Yeah. He said if, he said that it was a sin if he didn't pray for you. So he had a duty to do, whether he felt like it or not. And you can define your duty by the will of God. Your duty is not the, the latest program that somebody at the Southern Baptist Association dreamed up and mailed out in a memo to all the churches and we're going to implement this program. That's not your duty. Uh, that's not the will of God. The will of God, your duty is to find the will of God and do it. Amen. And there's no such thing as a... As a mysterious, dark, unattainable will of God. God is going to tell you right from the scripture what his will is for your life. Uh, you might have been here this morning, you might have been saved for 10 years, and you might have been saved for one week, and the will of God is, is there in the word of God, right, revealable to you. If you're saved, it's God's will for you to be a witness. Amen. If you're saved, it's God's will for you to preach. I wonder if God's calling me to preach. I wonder if you're willing to preach. Well, Amen. Because you're all called to preach. Amen. You're all called to preach. Uh, me and Brother Mark rode down to Harrington yesterday and had breakfast at a place called Rudy's. Ruby's or Rudy's or something like that. Uh, you got to be careful calling other ladies' names when they're that close to your own wife. <laughs> I call my wife Rudy. I've called her that before, but I'll call her Ruby sometime this week and get beat to death. Uh, but at any rate, uh, as we were leaving, I noticed they had this little party room over to the side. They had a little church service going on in there. I saw them gathering as we went in. As we went out, there's a woman in the corner preaching. And I stopped and listened just a minute. I, it weren't no count either. Amen. Uh, but at any rate, uh, you know, I mean, I've heard some good, uh, well, I started to say female preachers. Joyce Meyer's the best man preacher that there is. Uh, but at any rate, you know, at least you put two or three thoughts together. This woman was not doing that well. And you could tell that, that everybody in the room agreed because they were sitting there steady eating. She's over there in the corner. They're not paying her a bit of attention. But she was preaching, though. I mean, you wouldn't believe you wouldn't believe the 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 people that would get bent out of shape because the church has a woman pastor. I 
can't believe, you know. Don't they know what God says about women pastors? Well, you ain't preached to nobody in 15 years. You get upset with the way some old woman's doing it, and you ain't doing it at all. Now, that's no justification. One wrong isn't a justification for, for, for somebody else. I've heard people say, well, you know, them women do it because you're not doing it. That's dumb. That's dumb. They, you're still not supposed to do it. Amen. Well, you know, God said not to get drunk. Nobody else is getting drunk, so I guess I'll just go do it. No, that don't, that don't, that don't even make no sense, does it? But I heard, I heard a holiness woman one time back in the, back in the early 90s. I went to... Went to church with somebody, and there this woman was preaching. She said, and I asked her after church, I said, I didn't know any better. I said, hey, don't you know the Bible says women ain't supposed to be pastors? She goes, yeah, but God allows this because men are not doing it, uh, you know, fulfilling their responsibility as preachers, so God allowed us women to start pastoring. You got some verses for that or something? I don't know. I don't know. There ain't no verse for that kind of logic. And she just, you know, but I will say this, you know, it's, it's definitely not the right situation. But there's a lot of people get upset about that. And then, you know, you know, uh, I was cleaning out the thing and I saw this pamphlet over there uh, that says, uh, uh, what's wrong or everything wrong with speaking in tongues or stuff like that and Baptists are real good at getting bent out of shape at other denominations for not going along with the will of God or the revealed will of God or the doctrines of God and you, your backyard needs cleaning up too amen I'm not for speaking in tongues man if somebody starts speaking in tongues I'm leaving Right in here. Somebody stand up and start speaking in tongues. I'm just going to the house. Y'all figure it out. Amen. I, I'm just, I'm not going to put up, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put up with that kind of stuff. And it's not correct. It's not the, it's not even real. Pastor Ryman went over that a couple of weeks ago. Tongues equals languages. It's a language. And you know that you don't even have to have a theological degree to figure out if spiritual tongues is this uh, ununderstandable language or whether it's an actual true language like Greek or Hebrew or something like that just go to the front of your Bible open your Bible and it'll say the King James Bible translated from the original tongues well don't tell me they're talking spiritual things in the in the preface of your Bible where, where, where it tells you where it was translated from when they said when the King James translators used the word tongues they meant languages. The very same thing. Sometimes there is a good sometimes there's a good benefit to using language that makes you study. King James language makes you study. Because if you don't study, somebody could use one of them old words to turn you around. And and I I don't think that they ought to be changed to be made easier. Amen. Uh, much studies of weariness to the flesh and your flesh needs to be weary. Yeah. You say why? Because it's the will of God. Amen? Amen? It's the will of God. How do you know? Because the Bible says study. Amen. That's God's will. That's God's will. And so when he says here in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Those are all connected with that phrase that says that it's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Now with that little phrase right there let's turn back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And verse number one, furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk, oh, Heavenly Father, Brother Paul is a legalist. What business is it of Paul's how we walk? Now that uh, is often referred to in your Bible as a conversation. Most of the time in the Bible, when you see the word conversation, it's not talking about having a chat with somebody. Your conversation is not what you're talking about. It's how you're living. It's how you travel through life. They even made a shoe in which you travel in called a converse. It's to move about. The word converse means to move about. 
A conversation is not two people talking. A conversation is how you live. And so that's what he's talking about. He said how you ought to walk and to please God so you would abound more and more. And people usually do talk like they walk. All you got to do is stop and listen. And people are willing to talk. Talk, 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 talk. And if you listen, they'll talk to you about how they're living. And their outlook on things is really, you're not going to get very far, even if you're trying to uh, present yourself as something you're not, you're not going to get very far without showing your cards. Uh, You're going to talk and the things that you love to do is going to wind up in your speech. And before long, you'll tell people what's going on. Like, oh, you know, I really love the Lord and, and, and I like, you know, I like to read the Bible and study. And I just don't like preachers preaching on convictions. Ding, 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 ding. I, I got you. Yeah. I understand you. I, I'm not saying I'm going to throw rocks at you and kick you out of the church. I just know where you're coming from. Now I know how to preach to you. Amen. Amen. Because you know you ain't doing right and you don't want somebody else to tell you. Now, listen, I know who I am. I got rotten flesh. It's going to be rotten to the day I die and then it's going to get rottener. Amen. Unless you got that attitude about yourself, you're deceived. You're delusional. You're rotten. Uh, They used to preach and I believed it when they preached it. But they said, you just... Take about a week off from reading your Bible and take about a week off from prayer and pretty soon you'll be back out there doing some of the things that you was doing before. I got news for you, buddy. Some of us can read our Bible and pray and get into a whole bunch of mess even after that. That's right. Oh, not me, Brother Mike. You a liar. You the one that needs to get down here and get right this morning because you don't realize who you are. You don't realize who you are. You better get that thing under control as quick as you can. Paul the Apostle writing the scripture says, O wretched man that I am. Not O wretched man that I used to be. O wretched man that God saved me from being. O wretched man that I am. You're a rascal. You are a rascal. Paul said he was the chief of sinners. You think you better than that? Yes, you do think you better than that. Got you a suit and a Bible, and it's King James Bible. And you read three verses of Scripture last week. You're a good fella. You're rotten. You are rotten. The only problem is you don't know it. You think you, you know, you used to drink. Now you don't drink no more. You think you got it in the bag. I'm a good guy. Now all I need is some encouragement. You need a whooping with a belt and sent home without your supper. Really? Amen. And the, the fact that God feeds you three meals a day and gives you a good wife or gives you a good husband. Those are both myth, mythical creatures just like Sasquatch. But if God gave you one of those things and saved your soul and gives you a little bit to eat, man, you're ahead of the game. God does that for you. You think, well, see, before I didn't have much. Now I'm saved and got all these wonderful things. I got news for you. You're gauging your life by the wrong Things. I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful for everything that I got. But when I read the scripture, I'm still a rascal. When you read the scripture, you're seeing something different. But I got news for you. You're seeing something different from what Paul's seen. seen You're seeing something different from what Jesus saw. You're seeing something different from what Elijah saw. Elijah and Jesus and all those biblical characters that you claim to like to read about, they saw man as rotten. A a man in need of discipline. Now look what he says in verse, we talk about uh, in chapter 5, Paul said, let me read that again. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely, wholly. He says here in this passage of scripture, For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Now go back to verse 1 again. He said, You received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. Some, somebody comes up with something from the Bible that you ought to do or you ought to stop doing. You ought to do it or stop doing it, and you ought to abound more and more. Amen. 
the, the, the preacher said I should stop doing this. I'm going to pray. I'm going to search the scripture to make sure that's true. Then I'm going to apply it to my life. And once I've applied it to my life, I'm going to start looking for something else more and more. I'm going to start looking. Is this the only improvement that I, I stopped drinking beer when I got saved? Hallelujah. Is there something more? Is, is drinking beer the only thing you got to stop? Well, you know, I can't have no man preaching his conviction to me. Why not? Why not? Was it a man that God chose to preach the gospel to you to save your soul? You mean God chose the foolishness of preaching to save your soul? To change your eternal destination from hell to heaven? But a man can't talk to you about watching X-rated movies or saying cuss words. You mean your everlasting uh, destination was changed? Because a preacher said, you're rotten. You're rotten, you're going to hell. He, he preached the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and you got saved. Changed your whole entire eternal destination. A preacher can't talk about the destination you're traveling this week. In a literal body that's going to die and go to the ground and ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Your eternal spirit's fair game, but your corruptible body is off limits to the preacher you're, you're out of your mind somebody some socialist taught you that some socialist in the pulpit taught you that amen yeah. I don't mind me I'm just going to clean up the mess yeah. <laughs> I kicked over the trash can people get mad when you kick over their trash cans amen <laughs> Amen. That's good. That come. I started to say that come down from the heavens, but that come up from beneath the pulpit somewhere. Uh, get in the pulpit and start kicking people's trash cans over. Oh, you're just a legalist. Well, so was Paul. So was Jesus. Now, the real definition, folks, of a legalist is somebody that teaches that you have to work in order to be saved. That's what a legalist is. When somebody says, you know, stealing is wrong, that's not legalism. Stealing is actually wrong. Well, here I find myself in prison. I wonder how I got here. Because you are a thief. Well, my environment led me to steal. No, that's not why you're in jail. You're in jail because you broke the law. Amen. Well, you know, preacher, you know, you don't know my situation. Oh, oh yes. Yes, we do. This book describes you. I don't, I don't have to be a prophet or, you know, I don't have to have special access to God to know who you are. You are, oh, oh, somebody in the congregation not been living the way that they ought to live. Somebody told Brother Mike what I was doing. Now he's preaching right to me. No, I'm talking about the very best people sitting in this congregation, you're rotten. you got rules to follow. And, it's, and it is some preacher's business to say, this is wrong, that's wrong. It, no, let me, let me change that. I'm going to change that from the preacher's business. It's the preacher's responsibility. Now, I, I, I'd love to love you. Hug you around the neck, kiss you on the jaw. I really would. But you know, at some point, reading the Word of God, you figure out everybody's in the mess. I wish that Christians, especially preachers, would get the same burden for saved people as they had for lost people. Lost people are on their way to hell. And Christian folks, a lot of them, their lives are going to hell. Yeah. To hell in the handbasket. Just piddling little stuff that's just eating your lunch every week. Amen. You remember when you was a kid, and some of you might not remember this at all, but little kid go to school and some bully beats you up and takes your lunch money, takes your lunch, getting bullied all the time. 
Well, that's what life is doing to, to some of you. Uh, the, the cares of this world and the foolishness of this life come by, uh, has business with your, uh, uh, um, your flesh that's prone to addiction, just tears you up week after week. Nobody said nothing about it. Well, you know, I don't want to be a legalist. Well, listen, when I die, I'm going to have all the friends I need. Amen. Amen. I got a good wife and some pretty decent in-laws. Real good mother-in-law. I don't want to get on her bad side. So I got about all the friends I need. Listen, Christianity is not about making friends, although friends are nice. I'm not trying to be so foolish. Nobody, I don't need no friends, man. No, I like friends. I need friends just like everybody else. But like I said a while ago, there's a duty involved that sometimes you have to separate with friends. Sometimes you have to have, sometimes you're going to have to have people. And this, this doesn't just go for pastors. This goes for you at a family reunion. Sometimes you're going to, sometime in this life you're going to have to realize that there's things that's more important than having somebody like you. Amen. Amen. It's it's a terrible thing not to be able to fellowship with blood relatives, <laughs> but like me, I know some of you know what it's like to have a falling out with relatives because they think they ought to be able to drink and cuss and smoke in front of your little kids. You're not blowing cigarette smoke in my little kid's face. You're just not going to do it. Well, brother. I, my family didn't call me Brother Mike. Mike, Mike. Mike thinks he's too good to have his family around us. Well, it's not that I think they're too good to be around you. It's just I don't think they'd turn out too good if they hung around you too long. Amen. Well, you just need the love of Jesus in your heart, Brother Mike. You'd realize and have compassion on people. Jesus said if you weren't willing to forsake your father and mother, you weren't even worthy of him. Are we sure we believe in the same Jesus? Amen. There's a hippie Jesus out there that doesn't exist. The little brown-haired, blue-eyed Jesus, I mean, that that guy doesn't even exist. That's probably the devil. Amen. Amen. Well, let's get on to the message, shall we? Verse number three, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Yeah, Brother Mike, that means God is... God's will is for you to be saved. And when you get saved, you get all that you need. You get redemption. You get justification. Uh, you get that by means of a propitiation. You get remission. You get justification. You get all these things when you get saved. Yeah, but what about continuing reading the verses? This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Do you automatically abstain from fornication when you get saved? And if so, what about all these Christians cheating on their wives and husbands and stuff like that? See, a lot of preachers don't even believe in personal sanctification. But how can you not get personal sanctification out of a verse that tells you, be sanctified and stop having fornication? It's personal. It exists. There it is. You can argue about that for the rest of your life, but that just means you're stupid and can't read. What else can it mean? Brother Mike, you should find a better way of saying that. Okay, tell me what it is. Tell me the better way of saying that. Because I can't believe that you're going to keep bumping your head against a concrete wall for the rest of your life because somebody isn't smart enough to say a word better than stupid. You're stupid. You read the verse of Scripture, you see what it says, but you still want to argue. It's not that you can't see what I'm trying to tell you. It's that you keep on doing the things God told you not to do. You say, how do you know that? Because I'm the same way. Amen. Amen. Just pretend I didn't say it. I'll just keep thinking that Jesus gave me all the sanctification I need. Jesus did give me all the sanctification that you need to go to heaven. You know what? You know, I think about some brother Ken was talking to me the other day about uh, karate class or something like that. I believe brother Joe into this grappling and stuff and, and different stuff like that. Uh, you know, some of your favorite people, you know, Jackie Chan. You know that's all fake, right? You know, Jackie Chan and Jet, I know their names, I think they're cool too. 
Down for the count. Hey, but I think the last 20 years were spent with Bruce Lee and Jet Lee and Jackie Chan to give you a good disposition towards China so that when they took over, you wouldn't. You talk about conspiracy theories, there it is right there. I hate to get took over, but Jackie Chan is a good way to get overthrown, man. Because he's a nice guy and he does all of his own stunts. Listen, let me get to the point. You know what that stuff is? Brother Ken talking about karate or whatever and, and jujitsu. You know what that stuff is? It's a discipline. You go to karate class and you learn that. Okay, I learned karate. And go home and don't touch it for 10 years. And somebody says something to you on the street, you go, you're about to get knocked out. Something. Because that's a discipline. It takes discipline to not to just go dress up in a Halloween costume and parade around the mat like you're Jackie Chan. But it's something else entirely to, to do that over and over until it becomes muscle memory. I mean, you get some guy just go to class. This is easy. Anybody can do karate. Yeah. And then somebody jumps in your face one day with an actual fist. You take an army guy and you send him through two weeks of basic training. And you take him out to the rifle range and hand him a rifle and go, pop, pop, and then hands it back in and goes off and, you know, counts pages in the administration office for the next three years and then stick him out in combat. Yeah. He's headed to the rear when the bullets start flying. Amen. You take a guy out there and you do every single day, every single day, every single day. Well, when the bullets start flying, he's going to be because he's disciplined. Amen. You take a guy that has a discipline and he's, he is training and he's going through the motion. He's putting himself in the middle place where if a bad thing happens, this has to be the response. And when, when there's a fight that goes on, he might remember. Instead of. Amen. Well, I got news for you. Amen. The Christian life has turned into a bunch of hippie men. Amen. Well, Christianity for thousands of years has been a discipline. Amen. That's why Jesus started with disciples. Amen. 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 And now you got people go to church. Whenever I'm sitting in a church service and I see somebody stand up and go, I think, oh my soul, from what planet are they receiving? nothing coming down out of the ceiling, folks. <laughs> nothing coming down. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit you're receiving is in your heart. Yeah. That's just religion. That's just hippie. This makes me feel like I've had an emotional experience. Yeah. It's those same people that when you take a verse of scripture, you show them what's on the page and what 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 that what is on the page has real meaning. They get mad and leave church. Right. Yep. Yep. They right. get mad and won't speak to you no more. Yep. And they think they're doing everybody a favor. I'm going to take my kids out of this church. I'm not going to come around here. You're about to break your neck and your kids' necks too. Because Christianity is not this... Now, in Christianity, we get great feelings. But those are results. The feelings aren't instant. I feel real good, so I'm going to serve God this week. No, sir, you serve God by duty, if nothing else. But the feelings come from, come from experiences. Feelings don't instigate experiences. You do the work, you get the feeling. And the feeling is a product of the Holy Spirit. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
Right? Joy. Well, there's your feelings that you're looking for. Take some LSD along with that. It'll be better for you. You may as well because that's all you're looking for. You got to turn your hands more back towards you like that. <laughs> Amen. Well, look what he says here. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Now, I'm going to read you a little bit more here so you see exactly what we're getting at. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. That's your body. The Bible says, the Bible says, in a good house. Now, as far as I'm concerned, there's only one good house. That's God's house. But he said, in a great house, there's vessels of honor, there's vessels of dishonor. He's not talking about the furniture. He's talking about you. How do you know? Because there it is. How to possess his vessel. You are the vessel. You're carrying the Holy Spirit of God. You're the temple of God. Your bodies are the temple of God. And you're to know how to possess that. There's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And I'll be the first one to tell you, you get mad at me, but I don't think I've ever preached a hard message in which I hadn't told you. I'm as bad as you are. I know I'm as bad as you are. I know you're as bad as I am. That's why you have to preach. And you have to, because what you do is you look at a preacher standing behind a pulpit. He's got a suit on. He says good things. He talks about doing right things. You think he's, you know, the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's just as flawed as you are. Yeah. Right. He knows how flawed he is, and God has given him enough insight to say, Man, I'm a rough character. I wonder what these guys. Now, look, you sit and look at a preacher preach, and you think how great he is. What do you think he thinks about you when he sees you sitting in the church service like this? Yeah. If preaching and the gestures and wearing the suit and carrying a Bible makes you think so good of a preacher, what do you think he thinks of you when he ain't seen you in three weeks? Amen. Well, he's being judgmental then. Well, welcome to planet Earth. Did you choose Did you choose McDonald's or Wendy's last week? Well, I kind of like McDonald's a little bit better than Wendy's. Then you're judgmental! <laughs> did you get stovers to build your house or did you get Baraka homes? Well, Baraka homes tend to come apart a little bit. Judgmental! No, would you rather have a murderer who's just been let back out on the street under the Obama administration come over to your house for lunch or Pastor Ryan? <laughs> well, you know, Pastor Ryan is uh, out to do just about anything. So, uh, <laughs> you're just metal! All these preachers, they're preaching about this and they're preaching, and they think they're better than everybody else. Well, let me ask you this. Would you rather hear Joyce Meyer or Cody Zorn? All those for Cody Zorn, let's see your name. All those for Joyce Meyer? <laughs> This is the most judgmental crowd I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Why not Joyce Meyer? Only two takers for Joyce Meyer. Poor Joyce. I don't see how she's got all that money with so few fans. <laughs> Lord, have mercy on us. But you just made a big judgment call right there. You looked at one person and you said, that's a good Christian preacher. That's somebody that's going to show up and give me some spiritual food, and the rest of you said the other one's a nut. Man. Well, you're just as judgmental as any preacher that ever said you need to walk right, talk right, act right, Man. do right. We know, we know, Brother Mike, nobody can do right. We understand that, but you ought to at least try. Yeah, that's right. You said, how do you know we ought to at least try? Because the Bible just said right there that it's the will of God. Amen. Even your sanctification. It didn't say your sinless perfection. This is the will of God. Even your sinless perfection. You got that when you got saved. That's imputed. But this undisciplined body right here needs discipline. Yeah. 
And you, you get to the point where, listen, in the independent fundamental Baptist church, the hippies have taken over. Listen, and back, back in the 50s and 60s and the, the early 70s, the major split between Southern Baptists took place. Make no mistake about it. You're a refugee Southern Baptist. That's where independent Baptist churches come from. They didn't come from the Methodist church. You're a bunch of refugees from the Southern Baptist Conference. That's where independent Baptist churches came from. But there came a time when some preachers like J. Frank Norris, even back in the day, that's where, this, that's where independent Baptists come from. J. Frank Norris said, look, i got I got to work here. I'm, do, I'm doing what the Bible says, and it's producing a powerful work. He said, I don't need the Southern Baptist. And he had foresight. Because over the next couple of decades, one after one, preachers said, we can't go this way no more. Our Baptist college, if you know Wake Forest University, you probably know it by basketball, don't you? Well, I got news for you. It's a Baptist college. But it's, it's, the, it's the Baptist college that Lester Roloff went to that produced RG3 for the Redskins. And that's all you know about that college, Baylor University. That's all RG3 comes from Baylor, boy. It's a Baptist college. In the 1960s, these uh, Baptist colleges said, we don't need the Bible. That's right. Baptist colleges yep. that was paid for with Baptist money. Yep. Preachers started saying, man, we can't go this way. The judgmental preachers said, we can't go this way. Amen. One by one, they became independent. Independent, whether you know it or not, independent Baptists are pretty numerous right now. But I got news for you. In, a lot of independent Baptist churches right now are worse than the Southern Baptist churches were before, yep. before the preachers left. Oh, yeah. It's just we don't have no college to blame it on now. Yeah, Baylor's the problem. Let's separate. Wake Forest University's the problem. Let's separate. Hmm. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, you say, well, let's get get rid of the independent. Now, how about we get rid of the way we're living? Amen. 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 Yeah. Independence not the answer. I grew up in an independent Baptist church. I can't find independent in the Bible, though. Independent. That's listen. Listen to me now, because independent Baptists split off from the Southern Baptists because the Southern Baptists were compromising. Now we're independent Baptist churches. Now, listen, the only way you can go, the only place you can go from here is independent Christians are separating from the independent. They're just too judgmental. Anybody start a church, anybody get ordained. Uh, God forbid that some young man should come to the pastor and say, I feel like God has called me into the ministry. God forbid the man say, you're not ready, so I'm not putting my hands on you and ordaining you until you get ready. Because you know what's going to happen, don't you? They'll be gone next week. Because they're independent Baptists. I'm not talking about a church, I'm talking about individual Christians. That preacher hurt my feelings. Well, your feelings probably need to be hurt. Well, ain't no preacher going to tell me what to do because... I can study my Bible and I can figure it out for myself. You can study your Bible by yourself. You surely can. But you can't figure it out by yourself. God didn't set it up that way. You know, if me and Errol and Brother Kaus here, Brother Ethan, couldn't think of your name there for a second. I you If we got together and we said it, Hey, we're going to study our Bibles together. Get it? We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to study our Bible. We're going to, we can get in as brothers in Christ, as brothers in the church. Start studying. Oh, man, this is good. That's good. What about this? What about that? And figure things out together. But just as soon as one of us gets mad and quenches the spirit and gets angry at the other two, and gets bitterness down in our heart and won't talk to one another no more. Errol said this was true and I just don't believe that. And I, he's not going to tell me what to do. I can study it just as good as he can. You won't get nothing from God until you get right. Amen. 
That's right. You can go to church and listen to a preacher say this is true and that's true. And you can mimic. A, a parrot can say Polly wants a cracker. You think you know who Polly is? You, you, think the, you, you, you think it knows who Polly is? You think it knows what a cracker is? You could give it a cracker every time it says Polly wants a cracker. It wouldn't know what a cracker is. Somebody from South Georgia, I guess. <laughs> Amen. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Amen. You ought to live an honorable life. Amen. A Christian life is a discipline. A Christian life is also an honorable life. Amen. You'll have some risk. Listen, I'm not the self. You know that I'm, I don't put no stock in self-esteem and all that stuff. I think you ought to have Christ's esteem. Yeah. But your life ought to at least show some kind of self-respect. Amen. 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 I mean, I don't, just for example, since you need an example. <laughs> I don't think no woman that wears yogurt pants out in public respects herself at all. Amen. Amen. It's true. Amen. It's a free country. Where do the cows come home? Yeah. People hear you preach against something. He's trying to run my life. Nobody's trying to run your life. Man. Nobody's following you home with a magnifying glass and a telescope. Wonder what they're doing. Man. Nobody cares what you're doing. Man. Except to the extent that, God, that we know the wages of sin is death and that Man. we know you reap what you sow and try to give you a warning about something. If you get mad about something the preacher said you ought not do, do it! There'll be consequences for it. Amen. And all that sermon was intended for was to head you off Amen. from the consequences. Wouldn't no malignity involved. Wouldn't no bitterness involved. Amen. Wouldn't nobody minding your business. That's right. All it is is some preacher's been down the road a little ways. Amen. And God just happened to show that preacher that the wages of sin is death and that the body is contemptible and weak Amen. and our minds are weak. And as a Christian, you're going to get caught up in these things. It's going to hurt you. That's right. It's going to tear you down rather than building you up. Nobody's trying to hurt you and take your liberties away. you got a perfect right to go home and do whatever you want to do. But those things have consequences. Now, verse number 6, That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because the, that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we, have also, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despised us. Now, don't think for one second that this verse is disconnected from the rest of the chapter. He that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God. Hey, Brother Jesse, those people got mad at Cody Zorn over that Irwin jump. They're not mad at Brother Cody, they're mad at God. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, you take a bunch of hippies yeah. and try to turn yeah. Christian, holy, righteous, godly, spirit-filled spirit, uh, spirit music. Uh, spirit-filled spirit music. <laughs> what I'm trying to say into this worldly, showy, fleshy stuff, what they're doing is they're saying, God looked at the devil and said, boy, the devil sure does know how to put on this show. And it really reaches them. Let's use that ourselves. And I'm telling you, that never happened. That never happened. What it is is somebody wants the old life with a new flavor. That's all it is. And listen, let me ask you this. Why don't you just why don't you just go listen to the music you really want to listen to? Right. Yeah. 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 You like Led Zeppelin? Listen to Led Zeppelin. But don't take something that's holy and good and clean. And make it sound like I mean, is that what you gotta do to be able to to bear it? Yeah, man, I can't bear it. This harmonizing and stuff, there ain't no harmony in rock and roll music. They can't even sing. That's right. They scream. But they got to have it. Brother Cody calls that out. 
And I don't care what preacher approves that message I just told you about. There's no way to reconcile that in your mind. They jump on Brother Cody. Oh, Brother Cody's judgmental. Of course he is. He's got to live on this planet. You better be judgmental. Water snake or water moccasin. That's good. The wages of sin is death, isn't it? Okay, water snake or water moccasin. You just make the choice. That's right. But that verse says, He that despiseth, he said, You're not despising man. Let me read it real quick. i got to quit. Oh. Uh, Verse number 8, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us His Holy Spirit. Amen. So you've got somewhere a man that's in connection with the Holy Spirit talking about the sanctification of, of your life, of your thoughts, of your desires. And somebody hates that. And if you don't know that we're living in that day and time, you're sadly mistaken. And it's like, it's, it's like the, the Gospels in the book of Acts. At some point along the Gospels in the book of Acts, a man stood up and said, Hey, we better be careful just a minute. He said, Less happily we be found to fight against God. When somebody preaches something that you don't like or goes against the books you've been reading or the music you've been listening to or the stuff you've been watching, just take a little break before you lose your mind and get mad and bitter about the thing. Am I fighting against this preacher? Do I despise the attitude of this preacher? Or do I despise the attitude of the Holy Spirit? And I'm sure if you ask those questions earnestly and honestly and get down on your knees and pray about it, you're going to find out that that preacher that's telling you that stuff is wrapped in the same flesh you are. Why would he be talking bad about something that the whole world loves, his own flesh loves, if it wasn't the Holy Spirit intervening in his life so that he could also entertain in yours. Because what I think about it is not going to affect you at the judgment at all. Right. But if you'll take up the right things and the right principles, that's what will affect your life at the judgment. If you go against them, guess what? That thing about despising God is going to be you. That's going to be the topic of the conversation at your judgment. You know what the topic of my conversation with the Lord at the judgment is going to be? And I'll tell you this with all honesty. I'm going to stand before God one day and I'm going to say, and God's going to say to me, boy, you knew a lot about the truth and a lot of times you chose the opposite. But I'm never, I am never going to take what my flesh feels and make it true over what that book says. I'll fail every day of the week and at the end of the week, the book's still right. You say, brother Mike, if you live like that, you can fall all the way out. Yes, you could. Very dangerous. But I know who I am. Do you know who you are? Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you, O oh God, for your truth. And I pray, O oh God, you would help us as Christians. Help us, God, because we're so weak. We're so temptable and contemptible. I pray you'd help us. Help us, God, to see that, that the preacher's not... There are preachers that are jerks. I understand that. But, Lord, that's not the general gist of things, God. Some men have went a long ways in this life and found it to be a, a dangerous life and a place full of pitfalls. And just want to help, help other folks avoid that path. I pray you'd help us. I pray, God, that our lives would bring glory and honor to you and, and would be commendable to the Spirit rather than contemptible to the Spirit. And I pray you'd help us in it. In Jesus Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. All right. Take a little break.